This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. I'd like to welcome everyone to the worship of the Lord Christ this morning, especially if you are visiting with us today. You are our honored guest in the house of the Lord. And if everyone could take a moment to sign the Friendship Register, and if you're visiting, give us some additional information, such as your email address and telephone number, so we can share with you more about what's happening here at, Brick, at the Brick Church. And to that end, everyone is invited to coffee hour after worship. You can exit through the narthex doors and go downstairs to Watson Hall, uh, where those wonderful refreshments will be. We are in the season of Lent. This is our first Sunday in Lent, and each of the Wednesdays during this season, we will have a service, a brief half an hour service of worship here in the sanctuary, followed by a Bible study on the theme that we're in during Lent, Jesus Answers the Headline News. And the Bible studies going forward will be led by the seminarians, and you can join us in person. That starts at about 6.30, right after the worship service, or you can join us by Zoom for that. We hope you'll come to explore this centrally important topic for what it means to be a person of faith and to walk in the way of Jesus. Let us now continue to prepare our hearts and minds for worship of Almighty God.
This morning, our call to worship comes to us from Matthew chapter 11, 28 to 29. Please rise as you are able and join me as we take it together. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Come, let us worship God. Let us pray. Eternal God, you are always good and so are your ways. We do not always know what you are up to, but in faith we have assembled this morning to worship you, knowing you are always with us on life's mountaintop and in its valley. You, God, are unchangingly close and will strengthen and save us today and every day. We pray in the name of your Son, 
Jesus, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. As we come before God in confession, let us remember these words of Jesus. The thief comes not, but to, to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. With this in mind, let us confess our sins before God. Lord, in this world of many voices, we fail to keep yours front and center. We bifurcate our faith from our daily living, and too often we only turn to you when it is expedient or our knees die. Teach us to see all that we face in life through the lens of your son's life. Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. God's word says, if the Son makes you free, you will be free indeed. Friends in the Lord, Jesus makes us free, and we are free indeed. Glory to God. Amen. Jesus said, I have said this to you, so that in me you may have peace. In the world you face persecution, but take courage. I have conquered the world. Peace be with you, and also with you. Let us pass Christ's peace from one to another in his name.
Please be seated. And at this time, any children who'd like to come forward for a children's message can come forward. <laughs> Good morning. Come sit on the steps, everybody who wants to. Come on up. Good to see everybody. How are you today? Good? Good? Warm, I hope? It's a little cold out there today, coming in? So I have a question for everybody who's here, because I don't know that everybody knows it. Does anybody have any idea what sits up on this? Do you have any idea what sits on this podium? Ah, good. This is the Bible. And I realized that when you sit out there, you don't necessarily see that we have this very big Bible with lots and lots of words in it. And I was thinking today, the theme for today's worship service is all about love. And what I want to say is that that Bible is God's love story to us. It's a letter written by God for us to learn more about God. And in it, there are lots of letters, and in one of them, Jesus says one of the most powerful things ever. Somebody asked him, what is the greatest commandment? And Jesus said, the greatest commandment is to love your God with all your heart and all your mind and all your soul. And the second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. Yeah, neighbor! So, one time, not that long ago, we talked about who our neighbors are, and we said that that's everybody. So, each of us sitting up here is a neighbor. All of our friends in the pews are a neighbor. All of the people that live in apartments next to ours are a neighbor. Truly, everybody in our world is our neighbor. And God told us to love them. But that can be tricky sometimes. What are ways that we can show somebody we love them? Any ideas? Could, yeah? Hugs. Oh, hugs are such a great way to show people we love them. Say it again. Play. Oh, we can play with each other. You know, I learned a saying a long time ago, too. It, it goes like this. Can't say, can't play. And what that means is we can play with everybody, and we should include everybody in our play. What did you all do for Valentine's Day? Did you do anything? I just realized it's Valentine's Day. What did you do? Oh, you didn't have school? Um, well, that's true. So those who had school, did you do anything for Valentine's Day? Give gifts? Gifts are a way we can... Did anybody do cards? No, no cards. What are some other ways? So one thing that the Brick Church School did for Valentine's Day is they did a cereal drive. And you gave cereal, right? And it was so neat because we could give cereal to lots and lots of people who don't have as much cereal as we do. That's one way to show them that we love them. 
So today's message is simple. It's to spread God's love. You think we can all do that? And we'll keep thinking of ways. You can ask your parents other ways, and you can ask other church members other ways, and we can all do it. So would you all close your eyes, bow your heads, and repeat after me? We thank you, God, for family and friends. We thank you, God, for this time together to sing and to pray. Help us to remember to share your love. Amen. Perfect. Now, at this time, you can either go back and sit with your parents, or you can come with me to go do Sunday school. So I'm going to go this way for whoever wants to come to Sunday school, and everybody else can return to your seats. Today, as we continue to explore Jesus's answers to the headline news, we address the intolerance which is evident on virtually every page of the written media and found in so many online messages. 
malefactors distort honest, well-intentioned statements to exoriate their opponents and score points with their political friends. It seems there is no longer any effort whatsoever to uncover the truth in debates on policy. In the first of today's two passages, Paul is addressing a contentious community in Ephesus. So he instructs them to not simply speak the truth, but to speak the truth in love. In the second passage, taken from the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says there is a different approach than the one employed by those of this world who love only their friends. He challenges us to love our enemies. Let us pray. God of truth, give us the courage to seek the truth in your word and to use that truth in Christian love for the sake of your son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. So first from Ephesians chapter four, verses 14 through 16. We must no longer be children tossed to and fro and blown about by every wind of doctrine, by people's trickery, by their craftiness in deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, promote as truth, but speaking the truth in love promotes the body's growth in building itself up in love. Now that, sem that sentence I simplified just to have a, an, a, a, a subject, a verb, and an object. In reality, the Bible has a long paraphrase, a parenthetical phrase, which I'll now put in and you can see the difference in, hopefully you've under, you have the understanding um, by me uh, first reading the simplified version. But speaking the truth in love, we must grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and knitted together by every ligament with which it is equipped, as each part is working properly, promotes the body's growth in building itself up in love. And from Matthew 5, verses 43 through 48, Jesus is speaking. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be children of your Father in heaven. For he makes the sun rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers and sisters, 
What more are you doing for others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. The word of the Lord. For centuries in our country, the greatest challenge to justice and peace was not only immoral laws, but the tolerance by people of goodwill who stood idly by, while racism, misogyny, homophobia, and classism thrived. In his famous letter from the Birmingham jail, Dr. King wrote to a group of sympathetic white clergy who had urged the civil rights leader to slow down. He opens the letter in this fashion. But since I feel that you are men of genuine goodwill and your criticisms are sincerely set forth, I would like to answer your statement in what I hope will be patient and reasonable terms. And then later on in the letter, he dives into the meat of his contentions. Birmingham is perhaps the most thoroughly segregated city in the United States. Its ugly record of police brutality is known in every section of this country, and its unjust treatment of Negroes in the courts is a notorious reality. There have been more unsolved bombings in any other city than in this nation. These are the hard, brutal, and unbelievable facts. And then, he continues, perhaps the most famous section of this letter. The nations of Asia and Africa are moving with jet-like speed toward the goal of political independence, and we still creep at a horse and buggy pace toward gaining a cup of coffee at the lunch counter. I guess it's easy for those who have never felt the stinging darts of segregation to say, wait. Dr. King's letter was powerfully persuasive to those who received it. Decades later, my family was a member of one of those congregations, First Presbyterian Church of Birmingham, Alabama. And in 1963, when the pastor of that congregation received the letter, he was convicted by the truth he read in it. And he sought and fought to integrate his congregation. As a result, the church split, and the pastor eventually burned out in the ministry. It was hard times for the city and for that congregation. But fast forward to 2005, when my family joined that church. Over the decades, it became a thriving, multicultural congregation with an incredible witness of love for all people. Yet in our times, things seem to have turned on their heads somewhat. In the unfortunately predictable pendulum filled with historic irony, in our modern times, in an effort to no longer tolerate that which is intolerable, as we did in ages past, 
much of our rhetoric as the society has itself become intolerant. But Jesus shows us a way out of this trap, out of this loop. The solution to intolerance is not tolerance nor intolerance, but love. Now, it's easy to confuse love with docility and passivity, but in the hands of Jesus, it is anything but. Love begins, as we heard in Paul's letter to the Ephesians, by centering our words and our actions in love. By speaking the truth, which is hard enough in our times, isn't it? But speaking the truth in love is an even greater challenge. Measure every word. Is it a word of love? Or is it a word of contempt and hatred disguised as righteousness? And just because you are right doesn't mean that we have the right to be censorious, demeaning, and odious in how it is we assert the truth. Now, this is where we look at the headlines in our newspaper and on the news. Today, in order to influence people to a particular point of view, the truth is often twisted. Twisted in such a way that it makes a character out of the other person's argument and position, trying to argue against the person's weakest version of their argument while asserting the strongest version of yours. Now, there is a philosophical concept known as, and I couldn't remember the name, so the seminarians helped me pull this one out. It's known as the charity of interpretation. And in this philosophical principle, it urges us to engage opposing views by looking at the strongest version of their argument and maximizing the rationality of what they say. Sadly, we have seen the failure of the charity of interpretation enter into the headlines in our discourse, for example, in the conflict between Israel and Palestine. Think about the articles or news reports that you've heard. Perhaps in one article, if we see somebody uh, asserting even a word of concern for the Palestinian civilians, they might be excoriated as anti-Semites. But in the next article, those who assert that Israel has a right to defend itself are labeled as Islamophobes. Charity of interpretation means not reading into what people are actually saying, motivations that aren't self-evident. Now, some years ago, I remember a particular instance in which I failed to apply the charity of interpretation. I was, was speaking with a congregation member in South Carolina, and she was expressing her particular point of view about how it is in our country we should seek to feed those who are hungry. She believed that it was not the government's role, but that it was the role of individuals, and particularly of Christians. After all, she said, Jesus told his disciples 
you give them something to eat. Now, in my own mind, I quickly and wrongly judged her intentions. I thought to myself, that is just this person's way of having to do anything about hungry people. Well, thankfully, I wasn't quite dumb enough to say that because it turned out that she had started a meal ministry that feeds 1,500 homebound people every single day. Now, I may not agree with her approach, but I can't disagree with her actions and her devotion. Now, Jesus offers us several ways in which we can combat intolerance with love. The first one comes from Jesus as a bit of a warning. Judge not, lest you be judged, for the measure you give will be the measure you get. To instances like mine, Jesus is saying, be careful. Be careful in how you assess other people's intentions and opinions, lest that same way of judging turn itself back on you. Second, Jesus tells us to be more humble and to be more self-aware. How can you say to your neighbor, he tells us, let me take the speck out of your own eye while you have a log in your own eye? First, take the log out of your own eye and then the speck out of your neighbor's eye. You hypocrite who thinks such things. Now, the word hypocrite in Greek actually means to play a part in a play. That is, to pretend, knowing what the real truth is. And I think what he's trying to tell us, for those who look at our neighbor's specs, is that perhaps we actually know that there is a log in our own eye but we're not really ready to face the truth about it. And so as sort of a defense mechanism, we try to spy out all those specks in others to make us feel morally righteous and superior. Third, facing intolerance means being open to those with opposing worldviews so that we can grow in our understanding and perspective. Now, Jesus at one point finds himself out of his normal environs and he encounters a Syrophoenician woman. And this woman begs Jesus to heal her daughter. In a rather shocking statement, Jesus says it's not fair to take the children's food and feed it to the dogs. He's calling the woman's child a dog. But she challenges Jesus, not by attacking him, but by pleading. Jesus' perspective is widened, and he heals her daughter. Now, fourth, Jesus shows us how not to tolerate intolerance by using love rather than intolerance. He stands up for others those whom others are not tolerating. Do you remember when the woman burst into the all-male 
gathering while they were eating and she bends down at Jesus' feet and she wipes his feet with her tears and she dries them with her hair. Everybody is absolutely aghast at this action. Now Jesus stood up and he stood up for this woman. He castigated them while lifting her up. And yet in this castigation, he says that she will be first in the kingdom, not that the others won't be included. They'll just now have to step back further in line. In fact, Jesus made it a practice of standing with those others would not. People at that time, women and tax collectors and the so-called sinners, he spoke the truth and love to a crowd who was trying to stone a woman caught in adultery. In saying to them, with the one without sin cast the first stone, suddenly has forced them to look at their own state of life. And in so doing, this mob suddenly turned into a self-reflecting group of people who perhaps realized this woman was no different than they. And finally, he taught us not so much to tolerate our enemies as to love them, to pray for them. Now, if you have ever prayed for an enemy, suddenly your hatred dissolves away and you realize that they are not evil people, but broken people like yourself, who not only need correction, but also perhaps need a measure of compassion and understanding. Thus, when Jesus found himself on the cross, he prayed for his killers, Father, Forgive them, for they know not what they do. In this sense, Jesus fulfilled the greatest calling of Paul's words in Ephesians, because the, trans, the actual Greek reads truthing in love. Not speaking the truth in love, but truthing in love. That is embodying the truth living out the truth, manifesting the truth, not only in your words, but in your actions. And so we turn once again to that great hero of the faith, Archbishop Desmond Tutu of South Africa, to properly understand how this principle can be put into action. I'm going to read a rather long account from Jim Wallace, who was present, uh, he was an evangelical pastor who fights poverty through the organization Sojourners, and he tells about what happened while he was there. The former South African bishop used to famously say, we are prisoners of hope. Such a statement might be taken as merely rhetorical or even eccentric if you hadn't seen Bishop Tutu stare down the notorious South African security police when they broke into the Cathedral of St. George. 
The incident taught me more about the power of hope than any other moment in my life, Wallace writes. While the police had surrounded all the worshipers in the sanctuary and stood outside armed, Bishop stopped preaching at that moment and looked at all those who had intruded on their worship service. Now, a few weeks ago, before this, they had arrested Bishop Desmond Tutu and others and held them in jail for several days as a way of telling them that if you speak out, there will be consequences. After meeting their eyes with a steely gaze, the church leader acknowledged, you are powerful, very powerful, he tells them. But he also reminded them that he served a greater power. God will not be mocked. <laughs> and then in the most extraordinary challenge to political tyranny I have ever witnessed, Archbishop said these words, since you have already lost, I invite you today to come and join the winning side. He said it with a smile on his face to these police oppressors and an enticing authentic warmth in his invitation, but also with a boldness and with a clarity that took everyone's breath away. The congregation's response was electric. The crowd was literally transformed from cowering in fear before these heavily armed security forces that greatly outnumbered the worshipers. And everyone, he says, literally leaped to their feet and started dancing. And eventually danced their way out of that cathedral. And the police, not knowing what to do at that point, parted ways as this group spilled into the streets, dancing and praising God. Desmond Tutu and Dr. King embodied living the truth. And without compromising justice, showed us how to do it in love. In writing the letter from jail to those clergymen, telling them the hard truths, he ended it with the following words. These words have become my own prayer, not only in my preaching, but in my life. And I invite you to consider the same. And this is how he concluded that letter. If I have said anything in this letter that is an understatement of the truth, and is indicative of an unreasonable impatience, I beg you, forgive me. If I have said anything in this letter that is an overstatement of the truth, and is indicative of my having a patience that makes me patient with anything less than brotherhood, I beg God to forgive me. Yours for the cause of peace and brotherhood. Martin Luther King, Jr. Amen.
Please stand as you're able. Our affirmation of faith for today is from the Westminster Confession of Faith. Christian, what did Christ achieve by his obedience and death? Christ, by his obedience and death, did fully discharge the debt of all those that are thus justified, and did make a proper, real, and full satisfaction of his Father's justice in their behalf. Yet inasmuch as he was given by the Father for them, and his obedience and satisfaction accepted in their stead, and both freely, not for anything in them, their justification is only of free grace, that both the exact justice and rich grace of God might be glorified in the justification of sinners. be with you. As we gather ourselves as a community in prayer, we also want you to have the opportunity to offer your personal prayers confidentially. So immediately following worship, a member of the prayer partners team will be available at the front of the sanctuary to pray with you. Uh, let us pray. Father in heaven, help us to worship you in our gathering together. We thank you for your patience and mercy in both sustaining our lives and for allowing us to experience your salvation through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Help us to recognize the abundance of grace that you provide in all of life and to overflow with thanksgiving to you. Help us to confess our sins to you, to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ and to love one another and all people as you have commanded us. We pray that your salvation would spread to all peoples throughout the earth. In Jesus' name, amen.
through Paul. But when the kindness and affection of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not by works which we did in righteousness, but according to his mercy, through the washing of regeneration and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out upon us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that having been justified by his grace, we would become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. So let the truth of Paul's gospel anchor our lives in Christ and let us be faithful stewards of our time, our talents, and our money so that our treasure is in heaven and our giving pleases God. Amen.
prayer of dedication is taken from Psalm 116. What shall I return to the Lord for all his bounty to me? I will lift up the cup of salvation and call on the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people. I will offer to you a thanksgiving sacrifice and call on the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people, in the courts of the house of the Lord, in your midst, O Jerusalem. Praise the Lord. May this be the attitude of our hearts in the name of Jesus. Amen. Jesus has given us some awfully hard things to do today in his words on the Sermon on the Mount. And my prayer is that with God's grace, each one of us can seek to grow closer to living up to them. And may we seek not only to speak the truth, but to speak the truth in love, to embody that love in all that we do and to seek to share it with others, knowing that the grace of God extends to us May we extend it to them also. And now, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with each one of us from this moment on and forevermore. Amen.